Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman, and I am a professor at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business, where we have launched the Product Management Center, which is a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. And the impact we want to make today is to help everybody here get a little bit better at product management. I know we've got some people here who are trying to break into product management, and we've got some people here who have been product managers for years, and you're going to learn a little bit about how to build community and how to build a community around products and how to use, how to leverage that community to build better products and also how to build products that really create interactions among community. And I'm joined every week with my co-host, Red, who is on the founding advisory board for the Product Management Center at the University of Washington, helped us build it from the ground up to what it is today, is helping us build it to what it will be tomorrow. And he is the reason we are on every week at Tuesdays at 4 p.m. And this is a rare moment. Red, you're not just going to be stage manager today. You're going to be actively contributing to this conversation. So tell them a little bit about yourself. And I don't know, are you able to humble brag about how you got invited to the White House for your work building New Tech Seattle? <laughs> or do I have to drop that humble brag for you? You're going to have to do it for me. But I, I will say it doesn't just take two to tango in this case. When I started advising for the group, right, for the Product Management Center at UW, I actually didn't even know I was an advisor. I was in the middle of having my third baby. And Jeff is like, hey, you build communities. Can you help us out? And so I will say serendipity worked its magic. I saw what Sumeo was doing to grow the product management community and admired it so much. I had to get in touch and be like, hey, Jeff, Sumeo, we got to make a community for product managers in collaboration with UW. So I, I'm just saying it takes three to tango in this case. Sumeo, you are absolutely a gift to the product management community. We're so lucky to have been able to grow this community with you. So if you're just listening in and you don't know who Sumeya is, please check her out. Check out the Weekend product as a channel. And uh, as we continue the conversations, this one from being a weekly clubhouse to being, as you're noticing, a big red dot recorded and turned into podcasts. And if you're someone who wants to find us, just Google how to succeed in product management or look it up on your local podcast hoster. And then it turned into a Slack channel. So that's right. If you want to join our Slack group, we're starting to invest more resources in growing that community. I think we have about 600 or 700 PMs in there, Jeff, which means if you want to add to the list, just DM me your email address and I'll throw out an invite your way. So that's basically how the magic happened from having a baby to now 600 to 700 PM babies, all part of a, what's it? Am I allowed to say that? PM babies? I don't know if that's where we're going with this show. <laughs> First laugh of the evening. Right? Yeah, that's there right. There you go. <laughs> there you go, so, Yeah. Red, Red brings enthusiasm. Red made this possible. And Red is also going to have two hats today. He is going to manage the stage. So at about 20 minutes or so, we will take questions or comments or insights that you want to share out here in the audience. So stand by and, and Red will bring you up on stage. But he is too humble to talk about it. But he built the largest meetup in tech history, I believe. I might be hyperbolizing a little bit. But not much. He built New Tech Seattle with Brett Green and turned into New Tech Northwest, serving all of the Pacific Northwest, and was recognized. They were invited to the White House. So I'm excited to have Red wear two hats, talking about building community. And we'll kind of talk about how the difference between in-person communities versus tech digital product communities and so on. And we're going to get to our featured guest today in a moment. But Sumeya is here every week, and she is our resident product expert. And she's also built a phenomenal community here with The Weekend Product, which is collaborating with the Product Management Center at the University of Washington. So Sumeya, can you talk about why community and thinking about how to go from zero to a thousand to a million members of a product community, why is this an important topic for product managers, both aspiring and current product managers? <laughs> well, first of all, I want to say I am always honored and excited to be with you 
both uh, the work that you're doing with the University of Washington and the community you're building and the emphasis on marginalized and underrepresented minorities, the inclusion you think about, all things that I'm always happy to support. When thinking about communities, I've been thinking about a couple of angles, and one of them is not necessarily a, a traditional one that you, you know, we touched on yet. But the community I'm thinking about is the place we're going to in the future with Web 3.0. Anyone who has dabbled or fallen into that rabbit hole or is starting to pay attention to it is going to recognize that community is actually driving most of the innovation in that world. So how do we as product managers harness the community that's building valuable assets in Web 3.0 so that we can create solutions and we can innovate? So that's something really forward thinking that I'm thinking about a lot these days. And then the second one, and this is the point that I think we are probably going to spend the majority of our time talking about, is the community that we create to support each other, to advance our practices, to advance our products. Community comes in many different forms, community with our customers, community with our colleagues, our peers. And so there are many different types of communities out there that we as product managers can engage in and get to the outcomes we need, whether they're outcomes for our own careers, outcomes for our communities, or business outcomes that we care about. So that's how I'm thinking about communities. All right. Thank you, Sumeya. Thank you for being here. And thank you for all you've done to build community among product managers. And then now I want to introduce Mark Tan, who is a Director of Product, if I'm not mistaken, at WISE. He actually ran a project for my product management students at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business and proposed this topic. And so we've got lots of directions to take the conversation about the intersection between community and product management. Mark, tell us a little bit about your journey as a product leader and where you were hoping to take this conversation. Oh, we can take it to wherever you want it to be, uh, Jeff. But uh, from my background, so I come from a software product management background for many, many years. And then over the last three years, I've been very deep into community initiatives. So what that means for our company is really working with our community members to help us build our product. So I run our beta programs, we collect feedback from them, and we make sure that our community feels like they are part of the product building process. So that's another flavor of community building. So some companies would think of it as a defensive mode that you create when you have a product. In our case, it starts as early as the research and design phase. So if you're a PM looking to differentiate your work or be more inclusive, then keep in mind that you can also do it not just with select few, but also with your community. All right. Thank you, Mark, for being here. And thank you for this topic. I'm going to go back to Samea for a second. And, you know, when you're trying to, you launch a new product or in your case, you know, working to launch several communities here on Clubhouse and beyond, what are the biggest challenges in finding early adopters and building products with the, either the existing community or with the community that you're hoping will start to develop around your offering? Yeah, I think when we're talking about the early days, you know, community product fit is really important. So me as a founder or a co-founder, I have a specific vision, but does that resonate with anyone else beyond me? Other product managers who also, you know, feel that need or have that same vision that I can find. So the first part is really defining what my vision is or defining an experiment for my vision. The second one is finding the right channel. So what is this channel that has both a fit for me as someone who is harnessing, nurturing, and growing that community, but also where I can find that market and or that community specifically with the people that are going to be part of this community now. And then the third thing is not just the content or what we get to talk about, but also what are the outcomes that matter? How do we keep it healthy? The governance piece of it. And those are things that become even more important later on. But those are the things I think about in the early days. And Mark, I want to turn to you. 
What do you find as the biggest challenges when you're trying to find early adopters for a new product? And how do you go about building the product with the community that you ultimately want to serve, but before they're really your community, so to speak? Yeah, thanks for asking, Jeff. I think the first big problem is the world is very noisy, right? Everyone is busy. There's so many products out there. So as a product manager, you have to be clear in the value proposition that you're offering these people so that they will pay attention to you. So that's the first thing. You have to be very clear on what problem are you solving? Why do they need to care about your product? And you have to articulate that very clearly. And then once you get past that, you have to make sure that you are also clear on your expectation, right? So some people will just go into certain communities and promote themselves and not do anything else. And that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that you can do. Like you have to learn and understand how that community works, how the discussions are happening, and then also think about what you can give back to the community. So if you understand all of these, then there's a better chance for you in finding the early adopters that you need to support your own product. And now in a rare event, Red, it's way earlier in the show than you're normally called upon as our stage manager. But again, you built New Tech Northwest, the largest meetup here for tech workers and and tech people interested in tech here in the Pacific Northwest. And I'm curious if you could reach back into your memory when you were trying to get people to show up for the first time. What was some of the challenges that you found getting these early adopters and getting their feedback to really build what you built? So I'll say this in a way that hopefully doesn't make it sound like I can have ego here, but I applied the principles that Sumeya and Mark talked about, right? We were very clear about our value prop. We did our research to figure out where there was a gap and where we could provide a fit. We actually looked at doing proof of concepts, but then we just leaned into the fact that there was a bunch of different events and communities that existed that were disparate. And we said, there's already a product market fit. We just need to do a better way. And to be fair, by the way, with physical community, if you put an open bar, it's much more attractive than the work you probably have to do. You can't do an open bar in an online community. Or could you? I don't know. Samaya, Mark, is there such thing? <laughs> we should find out. <laughs> I guess in a virtual world, I'm sure people have figured out how to have drinks together virtually. Samaya, you came off mute there. I was going to say, in the metaverse, everything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. I am curious, and this is open to Mark or Samaya, but But based off of what Red said, what are the distinct challenges with building community around digital products versus building a community digitally versus building a community of, hey, here's a bar, here's where we're going to meet, and this is why you're going to come here? So what are are some of the differences you think? Sumeya, do you want to go first? No, go for it. Okay. Uh, I'd say there's always something special in meeting people in person and looking at people in their eye and having a deep conversation. So in online communities, it's very distracting, right? There's going to be a lot of tabs open. Like I'm sure right now, some people are browsing their phone and that's fine. That's normal in online communities, but that only means that you have to take extra step to make sure that people are paying attention to what you're saying. Uh, And that scales in all activities around online and digital communities. Samaya, anything to add to that? Yeah, you know what I'm thinking about? Some of the larger communities, for example, at VMware, we have one community called Spring One that, that has a lot of engineers in it. It focuses on providing solutions for them. 90% of the work that gets done during the year is not in-person events. So it's all about creating a thriving online community. But then once a year, there is a big conference where everyone gets together and where those relationships that maybe we're forming online come and have this real-time aspect to them. So, you know, I think there is value definitely in both, but I imagine most of the work really gets done virtually and the in-person is almost like a celebration of that. Red, were there any differences that that you've kind of seen now that you've been helping the product management community for years through your work with Eptemptive and then for months here with your work for the Product Management Center at the University of Washington? Yeah, it's very difficult. And I've learned this concept that I think applies online or offline, which is the idea of feeders and leaders. Right. So I'm, I'm, this is not my concept or idea. This is coming from Brad Feld, a book called Startup Communities. If you haven't read it, highly recommend it. He talks about the fact that communities need to be led by leaders, not feeders. A leader is someone 
who is not asking for anything in return. They're trying to grow and meet like-minded people. A feeder is starting the community to generate leads, to find investments, deal flow. So for example, community feeder is someone who's starting a VC, starting a VC meetup where they're inviting people to pitch their stuff on stage. They have everything to gain, nothing to lose. But a leader is an entrepreneur saying, I'm an entrepreneur wanting to meet other entrepreneurs like myself. How do I help? And you'll find that there's a lot of pushback when it's a feeder starting a community. And online, I mean, take a look at HubSpot's acquisition of The Hustle, right? If HubSpot tried to start this community, The Hustle, this ongoing newsletter all about entrepreneurship and tech, there's no way they would have gotten that traction because at the end of the day, everyone thinks HubSpot's just trying to generate leads. Now that HubSpot owns it, they're still letting The Hustle keep their brand because they know if they try to make it by HubSpot, it could kill their audience. It it ruins that trust. And so I think whether one of the challenges we ran into when we were running this online community is maintaining that trust, being agnostic. This isn't about making money as the community leader. This is about building community for the sake of that serendipity, getting like-minded people together to grow. So, you know, that might be a question back to Mark or Sumeya. When you're in a position of growing Wise's brand, Mark, and you have to think about, you know, helping the community. How do you overcome that feeder slash leader challenge and create that really genuine connection that these people are part of a community, not just another lead to buy your product, so to speak? So I'm thinking about it, you know, from the perspective of uh, the weekend products, for example. So the, the ethos from day one was to create a place where product managers come together and share ideas and are able to speak their truth and about their experiences. So there was more of that. And I remember in the early days, I was extremely intentional about not allowing you know, people with courses and, and, and paid programs to have a large presence on stage. I mean, to an unreasonable level <laughs> that I had to like draw back on a little bit and, and realize that they're really part of the ecosystem and there is so much value to them too. But at least that was always my personal philosophy is I was worried about exploitation of the community and taking away that, you know, giving cycle that you want to create. Now, the biggest challenge, though, is how do you do two things, especially when you have a like a not-for-profit kind of community? How do you keep the community going and going strong? And a lot of what you need to do in that case requires some aspects of community management. You actually need people who are dedicated to keeping the conversations going, to encouraging participation essentially. And to do that, you need people who are either extremely committed, you know, that 1% that creates 99% of the value, or you you need to pay someone. And this is where, you know, when you start thinking about the not-for-profit model, there is a point where a lot of hard questions have to be asked. If you want to maintain a healthy community, aspects of profit have to come into consideration. So, yeah, there is a little bit of nuance and challenge here. And then, Red, do you mind repeating the question to see if Mark could chime in with additional perspective or to agree or disagree with what Samaya said? Yeah, and I I saw Mark come off mute, but I guess the idea here is if you're building a community, but you're one that is benefiting from the community in a financial way, right? You are ultimately nurturing leads that will buy your product. How do you balance that trust that with the community members that they're not just leads to you? There's so much more. You're, they're about being lifted up and, and growing with you as part of the company, right? Evangelists for life. So yeah, Mark, that's a hard bridge to gap. And I'm curious how Wise does. Yeah, thanks, Fred. And first off, I would agree with what Sumia said. And for my case, why, by the way, Wise is a smart home company. So we sell gadgets, which is even strong push for selling and marketing. But number one, we made it clear that the mission of our community is to provide an inclusive and safe space for our members to explore and understand tech. So we take a backseat there and we let them have a conversation. And we made it very clear with our marketing counterparts that we are not going to post any sales or promos in that group. So I think those two combined set the tone of how we should interact with our community members. There are certain cases that we do that, but we do that very carefully only if 
our team agrees that this is going to be helpful to our community members as opposed to just treating them as leads. So those are some ways that we're doing handling that. All right, we've talked about several personas within a community, and I want to give a shout out to Sarah Gallo. Sarah Gallo is a huge asset to the Product Management Center community, and right now she is sharing live notes, furiously taking notes on what our panelists are saying on the Product Management Center Slack community. So if you're hearing so many insights and you're curious, gosh, uh, did I miss something? Hop on over, DM Red to hop to our the Product Management Center Slack channel. And then thank Sarah Gallo. Red, Sumeo, what's her title? If somebody who's just on there helping for the good of it, would you say it was called Red? What? Who is Sarah Gallo in this? In this case, she's like a chief heart officer, but I don't know. <laughs> I like that. Red, what's your title? That That is a leader. That is someone who is leading the community and giving, like you said, 99% of themselves to grow, but that she's the 1%. You don't find people like Sarah anywhere. And that's why your picture, Sarah, as a unicorn is very, <laughs> yes, very appropriate. Yes, it is. Sarah <laughs> is a unicorn giving so much without expecting something back. And uh, her profile is now on stage if you want to connect with Sarah. Sarah, did you want to chime in? I, I brought you up here and it's really hard. I'm asking Red to multitask. He's stage manager and contributing insights. And then we're going to have you both type insights and share some words. But I wanted you up on stage to, to acknowledge you and people could click on your profile and connect with you. Uh, but I also do want to give you space if there's anything you wanted to add to the conversation of community, how to build it, why we build it, and anything. I appreciate you guys giving me, well, showing appreciation, and I'm happy to help. I think it is very true that there is an important factor of who's going to continue to engage and grow the community and and provide that value that's consistent and and reliable and and also exciting and fun and, and creative. And so that's what I was trying to do. I was like, oh, somebody needs to step in here. And I was the one who came up with this idea and I really like it. So um, I'm here to support you guys, but nothing else. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. And yes, if you want to join Sarah as a leader, we would love more people on the Product Management Center Slack channel. It's not just for the University of Washington. The Product Management Center is leveraging the faculty and the connections that we have at the University of Washington, but trying to leverage that for the benefit of all product managers and those aspiring to be product managers. Uh, we really want to see a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. And to do that, we've got to help make more connections, help knowledge get distributed more broadly, and help those level up that we can. So speaking of leveling up, Mark, tell us a little bit about how you can level up your product. So you've got these early adopters but how do you take existing users and turn them not just from users and customers, but turn them into a community? We've touched upon this a little bit in terms of finding the early adopters and building community, but really, how do you take these existing users and say, hey, let's have a community now? Yeah, there's a lot of ways to do it. Maybe I'll, I'll step outside of my current role and give one example. So Lego is one company that I think was able to do this. Because as you know, Lego is, it creates building blocks for toys and structures. And there was a point where they are slowing down in their ideas. And what they did is they created this Lego challenge or Lego ideas. And the goal of that was to create a platform for anyone to upload a Lego kit design. So after doing that, what happened is they got like more than 10,000 support in 12 months. And then, of course, they look at those ideas. They took those and discussed those with the product team and legal team. And as a result, they're able to actually package those ideas back as a finished product to the member, right? So, so in that example, you leveled up your customers because you allowed them to participate in the ideation process that eventually ended up helping the business, but also making these members happy. And does Sumeya, do you have any examples of success stories? You know, I think of a couple of examples. So Google, for example, has these features in Google Maps that allow people to create reviews, share pictures, or share create locations and businesses and share pictures and reviews. And 
periodically, they encourage these behaviors through gamifications and badges and free gifts that they send. And these behaviors are for people who provide the most content and they encourage them to do in-person events. So this is not something that you can see in every single location, but there are these really thriving hubs of content creators, essentially, who are making Google Maps more valuable every day. Some of them are adding millions of impressions to Google Maps every month, and they're doing it for free. And all Google has to do is provide the tools for people to talk to each other, to follow each other. And again, this badging thing that allows certain creators to feel like they're special. So you can argue that there is some sort of exploitation in all of this. And I think that's a really healthy conversation to have in the community, because whenever we start talking about creators who are making platforms more valuable, the question of compensation and what's fair is, is an important one to touch upon. But also as products managers, there are different ways to encourage more and more of that participation. All right. Speaking of participation in the community, how's that for a transition? It is red time. Red, I'm going to take some of the burden off of you because you are inundated with Slack requests to join the Product Management Center Slack channel. You've had to share your insights on community, and now we're going to ask you to manage the stage. So I'm going to say, remind everybody that that red circle means that we are recording today's conversation we are recording it so that people have access to this knowledge beyond just this hour, but can listen to it on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Uh, so you could find it, How to Succeed in Product Management. And so we're recording, so be mindful of what you say. But it's time to come on up stage if you want to ask a question of Mark, Sumeya, or Red, or if you want to share your insights as to some good examples of building a community around a product, leveraging a community to help the product improve, or just other thoughts related to the topic of community. So, Red, yep. I took a little bit off of your shoulders. <laughs> the rest is yours. Now you could denigrate life coaches or dentists or whoever you're refusing to let on stage. Yeah, um, you know what? If you're raising your hand to come on stage and your name doesn't sound real or you are not Sarah and have a picture of yourself as a unicorn, I'm hesitant to let you on stage just because, you know, people like to poke fun. I will also say to get on stage, also just as an FYI, I did not notice this, but back channel, oh my goodness, I've got like a month's worth of people just pinging me for access to Slack, Jeff and Sumea. It's gangbusters over here. So uh, if you're waiting for a link, it is headed your way. But with that in mind, yes, I think I found some folks that are interested in coming on stage. We got someone who's a product lead at next door. Gosh, I wish you lived next door. You sound like a cool neighbor. I'm bringing you up on stage now. And if anyone else wants to come on stage, but Morali, being someone who worked product at Nextdoor, please, howdy neighbor, what's your question? How can we help? Hey, thanks. Thanks, Red. Yeah, I have uh, one insight and one question. The insight is, I was actually talking to, uh, I joined Nextdoor very recently, and I was talking to somebody who was part of the founding team. And the way we built community was by really finding those homeowners association leads who are very interested in creating a community around their HOA members. And that was kind of the uh, secret sauce in the early days days of Nextdoor uh, in terms of building community. Uh, and so I want to share that insight if it's useful for anyone else. The question I have is, how have you thought about zero to one communities? Specifically, you know, if maybe like when this room was created or when you're going from no community to starting a community around a product, or an offering. Has there been any examples of how you may have approached it in the past? Thing you want to share there? I think it's a great question. I will say, Mark, uh, taking a stab at that first, and also Morelli, you, you work for a company that is at the heart of community, for community, the most unbiased community approach. So yeah, Mark, would love your perspective on this one to take a stab and then follow that with some answers. Uh, sure. Uh, thanks for that question. I think, first off, there are different types of communities, right? There are communities around products, around uh, interest, or like around passions. So one way of doing it is there's this concept of taking like a path to 100. So you start off with zero to five people by reaching out to peers in your network who are very interested in this topic. So you think about it as like your early 
founding community members that is very like similar in a lot of ways to when you're trying to hire your first team, right? So you gather them around to listen to their pain points, listen to what they're interested in, and then you slowly scale that. So you go from zero to five to, let's say, five to 20 by asking for referrals, inviting them to join in a shareout sessions if they haven't done, done that, uh, and then allowing that group experience to happen. And then when you're done with that, you move on to the next stage, which is like a 20 to 40 stage. You now need to start thinking about content calendar and having that consistent engagement to make sure that you can continue that conversation going. And then maybe pick some mods or leaders within that group. And then you move on and on until you scale that. So you have to, like uh, long story short, you have to do this carefully uh, because you cannot reach scale if you don't take care of your first hundred people and there are steps to make that happen. So that's one framework to use. Thanks so much, Mod. That's deeply insightful. I appreciate it. And Morali, sorry, Red and Sumeo was going to chime in, but before I have to duck out for just a little bit, I want to comment on Morali's profile, which says that uh, he's offering free mentoring and PM interview practice. And I want to commend you for that. And I also want to tell you and everybody who's listening that the Product Management Center is launching the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator this fall. We're taking applications now and we're looking for applicants and volunteers and our goal to help 100 early career professionals from historically marginalized communities land their first product management role by June 2022. So to achieve that ambitious goal of 100 new product managers from historically marginalized communities by June 2022, we're going to need volunteers who are willing to do what Morali is doing, give advice, interview advice, do mock interviews, strategy advice, be a warm connection. So connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, make sure you leave a note so I know why you're connecting with me and I'm able to accept the request. But I would love for everybody here, if you want to help us in that goal, to connect with me and be a volunteer. And if you want, if you're an aspiring product manager from a historically marginalized community, your voice is needed because if the products are built by a, a homogenous group, they generally tend to serve a more homogenous group than we'd like to see that happen. And so this accelerator is a free program and we just want to help make products better and help product managers be better. And I think we all do that when we achieve this goal. So Sumeya, you were going to plug next week's show and a comment on this question. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go for the plug. So next week, we are actually going to have the ex-chief product officer of Nextdoor on this show, Tatiana Mamet. I'm excited for that conversation. So just wanted to share that. Awesome. And then regarding the question, Samea, you know, is there anything in addition to what Mark had added for Morali that you would like to, to put out there? Well, Mark's framework is the one I would use. I, I think uh, I love, I love, 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 you know, his approach, the, the zero to 10 or that breakdown is helpful. You know, when I think about, for example, the clubhouse communities I built, I think fundamentally, one, I had to watch out for people who are proactive and wanted to do things. You'll always have people coming to you asking for access and support. So give that to them. That's like the easiest thing, the inbound part. A lot of the admins of, for example, the weekend product are people who just wanted to do more and asked for it. So that's a no-brainer. And then the second one is you'll find people who want to do things. They'll start participating more. And then you go to them and ask them if they want to do more. So those are just the two things I wanted to highlight. Fantastic. Well, I think, Morali, you, you raised a really good question and appreciate you. And uh, keep building out great communities door by door. With that in mind, we have other folks out there. If you have questions, please feel free to raise your hand. I see a lot of activity in the back channel to join Slack. I think we got about 30 requests just in this session alone, which is fantastic. While we're waiting for anyone who has an additional question to raise your hand, I did want to actually bring up a question that came from one of our moderators, actually, Sumeya, which was touching on the ethical issues of creator compensation. We'd love to unpack that a little bit and get your feedback as we're waiting for the next question. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that's a question with easy answers because a lot of the communities end up being created have this accidental maybe aspect to them or like secondary aspect to them where they're not about necessarily generating revenue or have a direct 
impact on revenue, or maybe they do. But I just feel like in a lot of cases, and this is changing now, community was a secondary outcome or a supporting outcome. And now community is becoming more and more important. And we see it in over the past decade, you see it in all social media channels. And the question of the people who are creating content who are building community through their content, how do they see an upside as these communities grow? Um, Again, I don't honestly know how, (laughs) what is the best way to solve for this, but what I see happening in the Web3.0 world with the generation of tokens that appreciate with value or that appreciate in value as the community grows, I see that as a beautiful outcome from that world. In Web 2.0, I'm not sure. I don't know. Mark, what do you see? Oh, God, this is a tough question. I'd say traditionally, right? So big companies get support from its contractors, community members, and sometimes they're not compensated correctly or appropriately. So for example, uh, DoorDash went to IPO and good thing the CEO decided to give incentive to the Dashers as a way to celebrate that success of going public. But that doesn't need to come at the mercy of the leader, right? So when you move into Web3.0, the concept of DAOs come in and those can be structured in a way that will reward your early evangelist with an increasing stake based on the amount of effort that they put in at the beginning. So imagine if you're part of that organization, right? And every effort that you give back will be rewarded with some tokens. Then there's going to be more incentive for you to give back. And then later on, that will pay off. So I think we're going to see more and more companies who's going to take some of the Web3 practices, hopefully. And then Web3 will continue to unfold and really practice that decentralized governance approach. I actually have a question as a audience member. Um, thinking along the lines of the (laughs) inclusivity factor and and specifically accessibility factor, you know, from my understanding, you know, in product management, specifically in tech, it's a lot easier, obviously, to go these routes of building virtual communities or marketing towards, you know, some kind of gathering. But I think we end up missing out on some of the populations that are either overwhelmed and hard at work and so don't have the luxury of being able to socialize or provide feedback. But those people maybe are the target market that we need to have more voices involved in developing these products. And and how do we work around some of those limitations on getting those people to step away and maybe provide that time and energy to help with developing a better, inclusive and accessible product? Just to confirm, Sarah, is the ask more in generic terms, how do you get the people who could help create the community the most to jump in and help when they might be the ones who are at least likely to have the time to do it? No, I meant like uh, coming from like, I mean, I'm in healthcare and I would love to get more insights on uh, communities that are a little more desperate. So, you know, especially like opioid abuse, you know, people who are, you know, in poverty, in, you know, experiencing poverty, homelessness, and not, you know, tokenizing them, but also giving them space for psychologically safe feedback and, and trust to think that their voice is actually meaningful and not going to be maybe leveraged. That's a difficult question. I think, you know, Sumeya, I saw you come off mute. What would be the approach there? Yeah, this is an interesting question. So one of my roles or my previous jobs as the head of product for Remedy Health Media was I was also responsible for one of our products, which was called Health Communities. And in Health Communities, Basically, people created communities around different health concerns, health conditions. It was combinations of patients and caregivers. And I have to say moderation and, you know, strong community management was really important there. So 
all the content had to be reviewed. So, so people were not taken advantage of and, you know, there was no harassment or insensitive topics as much as possible. Of course, none of this is necessarily uh, perfect. But then the second part of it too, from the community, over time, we were able to identify people who became moderators. So it wasn't just something that the company did, but also there were these advocates, community advocates, who were created does not solve for, for example, issues of people having access to internet and people having access to devices, but it solves for creating a safe space for people who have that access to participate in the conversation. And also knowing that actually 90% of the community participants didn't want to say anything. They just wanted to read and they would come and read and they and that helped them feel like they're not alone in their own struggle and challenges. So I think one aspect of product management is to really understand what's in scope and what you, you can do and what you can't. And trying to be as inclusive within that as possible is really important. So providing access might not be something you can do as, as a company or as a product. Maybe you can partner with with other companies that focus on that. But ultimately, at least in our case, we could really just focus on providing quality content and an inclusive community for people who are able to get in there. That's a really helpful point here, Samaya. I mean, talk about the need for moderation. Most people think if you just build it, they will come. But a community requires consistent work, and especially, Sarah, in the environment you just described When people don't have the time or the capacity to do it, there has to be leaders willing to do that without any benefit or gain at the end of the day than just to make a better community. Wow, coming full circle to the whole idea of a nonprofit, that might be the best place to think about, Sarah. But thank you. I know we have other questions and hand raises in the community. Uh, Hopefully I'm getting your name right, but Hama Flama, somebody who is connecting the world, you've been waiting patiently, would love to get an idea of what your question is and how we can help. Hey, thank you, Rid. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I didn't have many much questions, but just one question. Hopefully, you guys can help me out on that. I basically, just a long story short, uh, started my career after UT and uh, basically real estate private equity and was making a shift in prop tech. And now things are like coming back from my professor who at UT was Bob Metcalf, who was a mentor of Ethernet, always talked about network effects, something he pioneered on. So now it's a lot of the things that I had to sort of self-teach myself, like, for example, PM, a book by Louis C. Lin. But that's something I'm trying to just self-teach myself, basically. Basically, like a lot of the, the product aspects. But I just kind of want to know about what your perspective is on that book and that author and what something I can do myself to just learn myself product management. And then I feel like this is a great channel, which I just found out about. And what other avenues there are to just like sort of self-teach yourself product management. Thank you. Yeah, and so just to confirm the question, what is the book that you're referencing by Bob Metcalf or Robert? The book name is by... The product manager interview, and there's one, I believe, Decode and Conquer, and the author is Louis C. Lin. The other aspect that you talked about with Professor Metcalf was basically just the aspect, the, the prop tech, the tech-enabled platform that I'm sort of trying to build out, pursue with my friend, is basically the only way, the unique advantage of that is through network effects. The more users there are, the, the more it grows. But it's basically just trying to help price and putting a cap rate on uh, residential properties, like sort of in, in commercial properties. So there's uh, some things that I had a lack of understanding uh, from the product side. So I was just trying to teach myself and trying to because that's not my circle of competence, but I'm trying to get into that area so I can have a more meaningful totally. conversation with product folks and tech folks. And because I've really enjoyed in their perspective, uh, the way they see it from their eyes. But mm-hmm. my experience being from more of Wall Street, I just don't understand their language. But to be able to have a more meaningful conversation, I feel like I just want to be able to understand where they're coming from. So therefore, this was sort of the journey in that side. That's why I just sort of came up over here. Sorry no, no, that's, that was a lot too much, but thank you. Perfect. And I'll also say this is what community is all about, right? First of all, someone needs help. Unbiased, we want to help too. The idea of joining community is when you join it, you're going to learn how other people talk and it's going to become infectious. You're going to become empathetic and you're going to grow with the community together. So very much an approach I highly recommend. Also, you just dropped Louis C. Lynn. For anyone who doesn't know Louis's work, please Google the man. Fantastic person, great colleague. I've had the pleasure of working alongside him and I actually begged him to hire me at one point just to learn from the man. But great work. Samay, I saw you come off mute. Did you want to comment on that fact 
I know he mentioned a book and we all love our product management. <laughs> for sure. So I don't know if I would recommend that book necessarily for learning product management. And the reason I say that is because it's really focused on cracking the interview. So if you were telling me you're seeking a product management role at another company and you were, you're trying to do well in the interview process, then I would definitely recommend that book without reservation. Definitely has some great product management concepts, but as someone who advises a lot of startups and I think about the startup world a lot, if I was to recommend something for you to read where you, you know, build that structured thinking, that product product managers have and think about all the different aspects that get you to product market fit, etc. I have two recommendations. The first one is Reforge, and that's uh, the company by Brian Belfour. And in it, he talks, or there are lots of blogs and some classes that you can take as well, where he talks about examples of what product market fit looks like, what experimentation looks like. And so I would look at that. The second book I would recommend, or the second piece of content I would recommend is, I think it's called Continuous Discovery. And this is a book that helps you understand how to do customer research, how to do discovery in the early stages, how to identify a hypothesis to work with. And I highly recommend that one. So those are my two recommendations for founders who want more of that product mindset. Thank you for that. And I'm sorry, I didn't get the author name for the second one, which is Continuous Discovery. I got the first one, Brian, but for both the Continuous Discovery. And then lastly, I didn't want to take up too much of your, uh, your time. Uh, I wanted to ask about the Slack channel that you guys had sort of mentioned earlier. In the beginning of the conversation, I, I sort of had tuned in around that time. If you yeah. could shed light on that. First of all, I would say back channel me right now, and I'll send you a link to join. This is kind of a running joke too, in a way, because we started this Slack channel to give people a chance to work together, but it's also a perfect experiment around how to grow a community. Because Mark, when we invited you to speak on the show, one of the first things you had to say was, how is this being managed? Who's managing it? How do we grow it? And I got to tell you, Whenever someone joins a community and says, hey, how do we do something? My initial reaction is, okay, you're hired. Let's go. So Mark, as of right now, if you want it, all it takes is just jumping in and contributing to the community, posting posts and giving back. So I don't know if you find that humorous or a challenge. I liked it. I liked it. Put him on the spot. (laughs) Expert in community. Help us do it. It's all everyone's contribution. Happy to uh, take a part. So I actually posted a couple of posts there. If you're there, just go ahead and let us know like what event do you want to see next? Yeah, I think uh, on that note, you know, we we do need what we talked about earlier, our leaders, but we also just need people who want to learn. And when somebody shares something, let them know that you appreciate them sharing it. And yeah, if you've leveled up yourself and you want to help the next generation figure things out, post some free resources there and help people learn how to be better at product management. At this time, Red, I think we got to get to concluding thoughts. And I want to, Red, maybe you can manage it so I could take my daughter to soccer practice, actually coach her in soccer practice. But Red, can you give us uh, concluding thoughts and then call upon our, our panelists here? Wow, that's some major multitasking over there. Read very quickly, just to uh, address Hama's question about the author, because I did not mention it. So uh, the name of the book is Continuous Discovery Habits uh, by Teresa Torres. Over to you, Red. Rock on. And I have to say, by the way, in terms of multitasking, Jeff, last two weeks ago, was at a wedding at the open bar slash buffet while running the show. You can community from anywhere. So Jeff, I don't know if you wanted the whole world to know it, but I don't think anyone can tell. <laughs> Thanks, Red. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Everybody knows my personal life now. But Red, we're calling on you for some community. Talk about uh, concluding thoughts here as we talked about community and product managers. Where's the intersection? Yeah, I think the most valuable lesson I've learned having worked with product managers for 10 years and running communities since I was basically walking is that the most important thing is removing bias and acting in a way where you're giving first. So as opposed to, and I think, and keep me honest with two PMs on stage, when we talk about product and you're approaching a customer and you're trying to solve a problem, do not make the questions about you. Do not make your investigation about what you're trying to achieve, but rather trying to discover the problem that that end person is trying to solve. And so with communities, 
I've learned from the greatest community builders. And I love to give credit back to Brad Feld, Startup Communities, wonderful book. And they have a V2O by Ian, one of his colleagues, highly recommended on Amazon, is give first. And when you start with that attitude, you will find a problem that needs solving. And you're going to remove that bias that makes you a leader, not somebody who's a feeder. So that's my concluding thought. And I'm always going to keep my channel open for anyone who wants me to give first. Take advantage of me. I'm happy to help. And I got to chime in, Red. Sorry to interrupt after I said I'm going to not multitask and let you run this. But you said something that really connected with what Jordan Horton, he's, he's in product at Nintendo, and he spoke at the Inclusive Product Management Summit by the Product Management Center. And he said, you know, talk to customers and listen to customers without any intent to sell them something. And I think that's kind of what you were saying. Like, just listen and open up without like the drive of what can I sell them based off of this conversation. So Red, sorry, back to you, but I wanted to give Jordan Horton a shout out. It's all good. And if anyone wants a book that can give you a guide to be like Jordan, Google the mom test. I'm not exactly a fan of the the name of the book, but once you start reading it, you'll recognize that this is a great way to lead product questions and discussions if you're not a product person and you need that help. So at this point, I'm going to pass the baton off to uh, Mark concluding thoughts. Mark, what would you want to say? What's that leaving book or community building technology or advice you'd want to impart on the product managers out here in the wild? I mean, how do I follow that, Red? Um, I'd say plus one on Reforge, plus one on the mom test. I'm also active in on-deck product management. And then I'm going to send a couple of Twitter handles. Like content is free and there's a lot of bright uh, product leaders out there. You just need to follow, like know who they are and follow them. To start with the uh, product leaders in in Reforge and then uh, you'll see how they interact and then you can go from there. And then in terms of community building, uh, I agree with uh, everything that has been said. So give more than you take and then community will take care of itself. Wow, the bar has been set. Sumea, I don't know what is left to be advised on, but between Mark and I, we kind of hogged all the advice here. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I always say lead with giving and not just for community. I think as product managers, if we think like that, then we're always going to be focused on what are the problems that matter for our customers. And if we start from that place of what is the problem my customer is facing, then we will have the right solutions for them. So I don't really have anything additional to add. Lead with giving, I think, is the theme of the night. Awesome. I love it. We didn't even know that that's where this uh, conversation would go. But Sumeya, Mark, and Red, wearing two hats today, thank you, all three of you, for sharing some valuable insights about the intersection between community and product management. This is a fantastic conversation, and I think it leads well to my closing remarks, which is if you've been inspired by the three people on stage who are are giving to communities and you want to give back, we have a place for you. We at the Product Management Center at the University of Washington, we're leveraging our faculty, our interdisciplinary faculty. We're leveraging our connections based here in Seattle uh, to some of the best companies in the world. We're leveraging our infrastructure to try to help develop a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. We absolutely need your help. We have a goal to enable 100 new product managers from historically marginalized communities. And we need volunteers to do strategy sessions, mock interviews, or uh, give feedback in small groups during the, the cohort meetings that we have. And if you feel like your voice is underrepresented and you are ready to succeed in product management and develop innovations that are inclusive to diverse audiences, but need a little help, the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator is free and it's for you because we need more voices in product management. It's going to make the world better. It's going to make products better. It's going to really make a big impact. So applications are open now. It's for people who already know about product management and are ready, and they just need help in the interviews. They need a community of support that will continue beyond just the interview process, but into the job. And if you could use connections, that's what this is all about. So if you already know product management and you need help translating that in the interview, apply to the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. And then come back next week, because we do this, Red and I, and Sumeya and I, we're here every week, Tuesdays at 4 p.m., Uh, to help you learn how to succeed in product management. So thank you all for joining us today. Thank you for our distinguished panelists. And we'll see you or hear you next week, Tuesday at 4 p.m. on Clubhouse.